Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 224, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by the Herbal Nerd Society. Hey everyone, the Herbs in Action Summit, COVID and beyond, is only eight days away. Can you believe it? We've announced the topics, we've announced the speakers like Maria Noah Groves and Thomas Easley and um, Phyllis Delight and Larkin. Bunce and Erica Galentin. Erica Galentin. So many people. It's going to be amazing. Uh, the best part about it is free. So register now. Start it up. Get your thing. So go to herbsinaction.com and register. Uh, hit the register button and you'll go through the process and then you'll get an email uh, with all of the invite to the webinar. It's a full day affair. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. We've been putting a lot of energy into it and our speakers are really excited about it. They couldn't wait to do this for us. So, uh, Again, herbsinaction.com. The path into herbalism isn't always an easy one. Sometimes we've got to face mighty challenges. Often it's exactly those challenges that propel us into the next level. Today we're talking with Cammie McBride, author of The Herbal Kitchen and teaching herbal medicine since 1988 about making the herbal lifestyle a real and natural part of life. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome to Real Herbalism, herbalism Radio. Radio. Hi, Cammie. I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, it's great to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I'm going to just like start right off and tell everyone I absolutely loved the Herbal Kitchen. I really did. And there's a ton of stuff. I mean, I've been doing herbalism for a long time. And, uh, you know, I was I was egotistical. I was like, oh, the Herbal Kitchen. Yeah, I already know all that. Yeah, no, I really didn't. And I learned a lot. And more importantly, that you had so many good ways to incorporate herbs and herbal healing into just daily life that I've been ignoring. So I am thanking you right now for that. You are so welcome. (laughs) And I expect that's probably something you've heard a lot. (laughs) Yeah, the Herbal Kitchen was written with a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it comes through. I love the stories. I mean, honestly, I can just imagine mushrooming with your family. That must have been so delightful. Oh, that's so wonderful. You know that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's those, those family heritage anchor stories mm-hmm. that if, if anybody can tap into those, if there's even one memory of your parents or grandparents having worked with wild foods or, or, or herbal medicines, it's like that one remedy or that one memory can, ha- can carry you through, you oh, know, yeah. and you can feel like, okay, I'm not starting from absolute scratch. Right. And there are, I mean, as as we're learning, there's so many times where you just want to throw your hands up in the air. I mean, I'm sure you've had the experience of like the exploding ghee or the vinegar that was so perfect and then the dog ran through and now it's on the floor and you just want to cry, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, when you look at the Herbal Kitchen, it's got 250 recipes in it, right? That's crazy. I mean, who writes a book with 250 recipes? But the thing is, is I didn't create all those recipes. What happened is I had a year-long mentorship, herbal mentorship program for 21 years, where I would have uh, 35 women each year come through. They came through that course, that year-long course, for 21 years. And that course was all about talking to the plants, harvesting a medicine, and making medicine together. And so those 250 recipes came out 
of that, those years of medicine making in those circles of women. And so when I think of it, there's over 500 women whose hearts and hands and energy and conversations uh, touched all those recipes. You know, so many recipe books, people go, I'm going to write a book. And then they, they create the recipes for the books. Right. But this book that I think that's, I don't know. I, that's why I love this. That's why it's become so timeless is because I had 15, 20 years to really tweak those recipes. Mm -hmm. And I had these groups that helped me do it. And I don't know if you've noticed, but when you make medicine in a, in a group, and, you know, like yes. we always have, that's really yes. actually our body memory is making medicine together. It goes to a whole other level that you can't even begin to describe. Yeah, the medicine is more powerful. It's more deeply nourishing. I mean, yes, even absolutely. if someone doesn't know, I mean, even as, as I read the book and as I was reading many of the recipes and trying a few out, there's something that's um, ephemeral about them that's that's intangible, but yet it's more solid. There's a richness to so many of them. And I think it comes from the fact that it, it was a group effort in so many ways for you. Yeah, that that's really true. It's like, you know, like people would come to class and like, I don't know anything. I don't know what to do. And then they'd start working in the group and I'd watch their body memory kick in. Yeah. So, so what they thought they knew was completely different. You know, if they were just trying to think their way through it, they're like, well, what herbs good for this? And, da, 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 da. and then when they started talking and, you know, grinding together and chopping together i watched them just start to go oh well let's try this what about this what and they just they would just they just started to come up with it out of their body that's our inheritance that's our lineage you know we just have to really create the environment to to remember it you know and let it come through instead of just trying to jam it into our head right there's so many aspects of the way that we live today the way that we educate today that are very heady and that's fine. I mean, you know, it's good to have heady information, but it's that bodiness, that rooted, that grounded, that experiential learning that I think really takes everything to the next level. Yeah, I, I really, um, I, I didn't learn that in herb school, but my students taught me that. And I really saw the medicine go to a whole other level. And so I really encourage people to form medicine circles, to find one other person you know, don't, don't just purple, put herbal medicine on your to-do list because that's where it's going to stay. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah. one of the, I don't only, only teach herbal medicine. I, tra- I, I track trends. Yeah. And one of the trends that's happening right now is this overwhelm, you know, like, oh, I don't. And, and so many people feel like, oh, I don't know enough. I, I can't learn enough. I can't remember it. And it's like there are hundreds of thousands of people in this in the United States right now onboarding into the herbal world, right? Right. I mean, there are, it's incredible, but it's like the number one thing that I'm hearing now, which, you know, 30 years ago, it was fear, Mm -hmm. but now it's like, oh, it's so overwhelming. Well, herbalism is not, herbalism is a generational art. It's not something you learn in one lifetime. And so I'm just encouraging people to slow down, Mm -hmm. form your medicine circle, even if it's like one or two or three people. And just, even if you just digest a few things deeply, you will feel so much more like relaxed and comfortable instead of like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta know it all, you know? (laughs) Oh, that is so true. And it's, it's in the slowing down that you can get through the challenges more easily too. I mean, slowing down, having the community or having those memories, you know, like you had the memories from your childhood, you spent your childhood in nature. 
I mean, so many of us can't say that even if we are are of your same generation, you know, and the younger we are, the harder it is. You know, the younger younger generations are having a harder time getting into nature just because the allure of Internet and video games and movies and all of that are so strong. Those connections to nature, especially with family or friends, is those are yeah. huge. Yeah, I was really fortunate. My grandfather was really deeply rooted to the earth and his parents and his, my great grandmother was alive till I was 14. So I got, you know, I hung out with somebody that was born in 1890, Wow, you know, yeah. uh, until I was a teenager. And so I got this other perspective yeah. Of, yeah. of what it means, you know, of seasonal food rituals. And my grandfather, he started the first nature camp in my county in 1967. Wow. And in 1967, he said, the problem with today's youth is they don't spend enough time in nature. <laughs> in 1967, he's like, all these kids, they don't get out, you know? And so he created, he, he, he created this program that was on the edge of town on a, near a, um, a lagoon. And we just spent, you know, and I was at that nature camp from the time I was seven till the nice. time I was 14 every summer. And we would just slop around in the lagoon and the, you know, and that's where I went on my first herb walk. Nice. What was that like? I mean, that was back well, before herb walks were like really a thing. No, there were no herb walks. But right. the thing is, is, is he had a summer camp. And in the summer, he would hire students. Our, our town was like 40 minutes from UC Davis and UC Berkeley. So he would hire biology students from the universities to come and teach the summer camp. So there were these biology students that knew the plants because they were studying botany. All right. That is you sweet. Know, they, yeah. they weren't herbalists. They were botanist students. You see, Berkeley, and I, when I was eight years old, I can still remember the name, the location. I have a tunnel vision back to my first herb walk with this botany student from UC Davis. I remember everything he said. Like, there's huge gaps in my, I don't remember anything else when I was eight. Oh, yeah. I right. remember <laughs> herb walk. I remember everything he said. And I was called in that moment. I was like, oh. wow, that can be used for that. What else? <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember my mom shooing us kids out the out the door and saying, "You need to get outside and play." But honestly, I think I always thought at the time I was like, "She just wants me out of her hair." <laughs> That's really what this is about. Yeah, um, you never know what seeds you can plant. You yeah. know, plant the seeds. Yes, and I remember sitting there under the oak tree, picking up the leaves and looking at them, thinking. There's something in here. I know there's something in here, but I didn't have the words and I didn't have the right connections yet. Later, yes. Now, yes. But later then, no. You were fortunate. So I think you're touching on something really important because most children, most many Mm -hmm. children have that experience where they feel the calling, they feel the connection, they feel the relatedness, the aliveness. But as adults, we don't catch it and reflect yeah. it back. We don't right. receive it and we don't reflect it back that it's real. Yeah. Know? And yeah. so that's one of the big things. I have a course um, called Plant Wisdom, Activate Your Plant Communication Skills. And that's one of the big things we start with is going back to those first childhood memories where you actually felt the connection. But then when you looked out in the real world, there was no reflection. Yeah. And so it didn't, so you didn't develop that pathway that, yeah. you know, it was trimmed off. 
And, um, and then you had to develop it later. But so for us now, it's really our responsibility that when the child comes like this with the acorn and yeah. the oak leaf to really catch and reflect, yeah, and yeah you're, you're related. It's alive. Yeah. You know, that's our job right now. Yeah. I love that. I think that is really, really important to the healing of our planet, to be honest. I mean, I think we need that. And that is something that's really doable. You know, trying to stop polar ice caps from melting is overwhelming. Honestly, I just, I can't even wrap my head around it. Trying to stop like the fires in your area. I, I can't wrap my head around how to not let that happen. But connecting with a young person or a not so young person who is just, you know, seeing that, that acorn, like you said, for the first time that way. That I can do. <laughs> that I can do. <laughs> yeah, because it's really about raising up this next generation mm -hmm. so that they're related and connected and know how to take care of the earth and take care of themselves using plants in a good way. Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't, you know, and so here we are. We're supposed to think with seven generations in mind. Well, if you're not raised like that, how are you going to do that? Right. You know, where does it start? Yeah. How, how, you know, it's like, it's like, it's just a concept, yeah. you know? And so, so we have to create these. Um, and so, yeah, I focus a lot on that in, in my, when I help people activate their, their plant communication, it's like really, um, you know, we've, we've, so many of us come, you know, not everybody, some of, some people are lucky, but many of my students, there's been just a massive cultural disruption, right? Yeah. Where yeah. We, we had to assimilate and um, we lost our traditional food, we lost our medicines, and we're two or three generations out from that. And now we're victim to the pharmaceutical companies. We're vulnerable to whatever the pharmaceutical company campaign is. And because it's scary when you don't know how to make your child feel better. It's scary when your family gets sick. And then if, so if you don't have that generational backup of really knowing that plants work, it's hard. You know, I empathize with all these moms. It's like, wow, do I listen to the doctor? Or do I, do I take a, you know, so we've right. got to like, we've got to really rebuild our home herbalism skills mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, to, like you said, it's, it's so hard to think of just like the overwhelming job that needs to be done. Right. Mm. But yeah. we really can transform the culture from just what we do in our own kitchen and how we perceive nature within our family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really, you know, about taking your power back because mm -hmm. we've given, you know, as a society, we've given the power to our doctors and pharmaceutical companies and we never question. They're always, we give them this idea that they're always right and they have complete control over all of that now. So if you're not willing to take your power back into what you want to do, we're going to continue with that cycle. And I, mean, I know your grandfather would, would probably not give anybody um, <laughs> power over his choices uh, at all. Um, but then again, we have like um, our parents, my parents, which they give complete control to all of the allopathic um, medicines. And partly, I think we're talking about generations. Um, my parents decided that, um, you know, preserving food, gardening, uh, all of the uh, homesteading skill set was what, and, and just the poor people do that. Yeah. You know, be so yeah. that it became more of class. And I want to buy canned foods and frozen foods and I want to provide for my family that kind of convenience. I don't want to spend my whole afternoon canning like I did when I was a kid. 
So it just generationally it changes. But plus the women went to work. Right. Yeah. They had yeah. to take care of their families. Then they had to also take care of the schools mm-hmm. and their kids and the food. Like the women went to work. My mom went to work. Yeah. She didn't have time to do any of that. You know, yeah. she was working. Well, you know? right. And in, in, I think uh, Candace's dad had, had said this one time. He said that, you know, if you will, women's rights. Yeah, they got they got the right to work, but men didn't give up anything else. So yeah. men still did what they were going to do. And then women. Oh, yeah, sure. You can work. But oh, yeah, make sure to do all those other things, too. So you can have two full time jobs. Right. And women got the right to work a lot more all yeah. the way around. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. 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 So his thought was, and, and I agree with him, is like, well, men need to pull their 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 butts out of their, you know, their butt, their heads out of their butts, and and take this over. And I think now, yeah. like, in in my age group, a lot of men do. I mean, we're yeah. taking care of the kids. We're we're cooking. In many cases, our wives are making more than we are, making more money. Yeah. So they yeah. become the primary breadwinner. We're the support side. So it has yeah. come around, but it's just taken so long. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways. and there's still more generations to go. Yeah. No giving up your power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th- thank you for saying that. Like that, that part of reclaiming, becoming empowered has been a really big question. My whole um, kind of career as an herbalist, you know, it's not, I'm not just about herbal medicine. I'm about evolving this culture forward and herbal medicine is a vehicle. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it, I, I, so over the years, I just would hear some people say, I don't know anything about herbal medicine. I don't know. I don't know. And I just started, and then in the next breath, they'd talk about how much they love garlic. Right. right. Yeah. You're or they'd like, be like, oh, I love basil. Oh, my God. And that is yeah. why, you know, I could have written about, I mean, I have clinical herbal training from Michael Moore. I have a lot of training, Ayurveda. There's a lot that I can talk about in herbal right. medicine. But I focused on the herbal kitchen because I'm like, oh, we're just going to start where everybody's at. And yeah. then the empowerment doesn't have to become this like, oh my God, you know, it's like, we're going to start with basil and pepper and, and garlic, you know, yeah. and, and then thyme and just what everybody already loves and what's already in the kitchen. And you can just start with five spices that you already know and love and feel pretty empowered pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've already decided what your next, next book should be. My Herbal Garden. And it should be all about growing a lot of the spices and herbs that you use in your herbal kitchen, the actual kitchen garden. You know, they used to have those, the kitchen garden. And then there was the other garden, which I think was actually where most of the vegetables, most of the that stuff was. But the kitchen garden had all the culinary spices and the things that you don't necessarily use loads of, but you use it throughout the year. You use, use loads through the whole year. You know what I mean? So, I do. Yeah. So my, my great, two of my great grandparents, um, no, great, great grandparent, great grand, they own general stores in uh-huh. my, my family came to California in the 1850s, pioneers, okay. homesteaders. And so they, you know, it was a natural thing to start a store or whatever. Yeah. And so the stories uh, from both of those great, great grandparents, um, it was that there, they didn't, it was the only store in town in Davis and in Gridley, California, they didn't sell a single vegetable, well, not yeah. one. No. Because people would because gather Because everybody yeah. had their own garden. Right? right? This was like 1910. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my grandparents on both sides grew, there was the vegetable garden and they all had them. And then there were the flowers and the flowers were their pride. The vegetables were important. You couldn't not, you couldn't have a garden. That's the first garden you put in. But- 
then there's the flowers, the roses and the oh. Johnny jump ups and the pansies and the primroses. And, you know, I mean, I remember walking through the garden and my grandmother or my grandfather or my Bob or my grandpa pointing out the various different flowers that were blooming. And, well, here's where I planted my tulips. And, you know, I mean, the flowers were the thing. And so many of those flowers actually are medicinal. Absolutely. You know? They are so there's I have a whole um uh, I have a, a small little, uh, it's not a full course, but it's an herb walk, online herb walk that's edible and medicinal flowers. Mm, yummy. And flowers make you happy. Yes, they do. <laughs> I loved your description of rose geranium. That was one of the ones where I've been thinking about that one over the past year or so. I bought my first rose geranium, not last summer, but the summer before, and I managed to keep it alive through two summers, I am far enough north it has to go into a pot. We get fro freezing through the winter. So, you know, I bring it in. This year, I'm not sure if it's going to survive. It looks pretty sad right now. <laughs> but, did you but, see that recipe for a rose geranium, rose kettle vinegar? I that did. is such a good recipe in the vinegar chapter. That looks so <laughs> good to me. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm planning that if I don't, the home show's coming up and I'm going to be buying another rose geranium if, if, the, if my poor little baby doesn't survive my incompetent care. <laughs> yeah, plants at our house only survive if they volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I'm not the best gardener. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're, we, we suck at vegetable gardening and, and we're pretty good at just herbal gardening. Yeah, the, but... herbs, the herbs grow for me. The vegetables laugh at me and then die. So that's I okay. actually... Grow your herbs. You yeah, know? That's, that's what I grow the herbs and then I, I go to the farmer and do a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. So I get a box of all. plants. Yeah, I get a box of, of vegetables every week and that's good. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're growing those herbs, it, you, you know, you don't have to do it all. And then you, you're how you're developing a deep connection with those medicinal plants. Oh, yeah. And then you bring them in and you're working on your lineage of a home crafting, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got the home crafting and then you've got the body wisdom that activates. And then pretty soon you are, we're living a healthier lifestyle. It's actually oh, yeah. pretty simple. It's pretty you know? amazing. And when people say really like growing some oregano and, and making some oregano sprinkle and getting my kids to do it, like you think that can really change the face of medicine in this country? And I say, yes, because it's like culture begins in the kitchen, right? Yeah. Culture yeah. begins in the kitchen. And when you raise your children and whatever, it doesn't have to be your children, it can be your neighbor kids, your nieces or whatever. When you raise them with like knowing that, you know, knowing those plants, how to use them, how to grow them, even if it's only a few, then uh, we, it, there, you know, it spreads. Yes. And, you know, even now it's like in oncology, they're, they're starting to, you know, they're recommending ginger for all the nausea. It's not because right. they just came up with it. It's because right. we right. got to a certain level of cultural literacy where people were like, Hey, I heard ginger is for nausea. And they started like pounding on the doctors. And then yeah. finally they did a study and now, and so yes, your home herbalism, your cultural kit, herbal kitchen can push our medicine to change. Yes. It changes the culture. It's just, you know, and it already has. I mean, 
I just, I was just at the store today and I should have bought it, but I didn't. <laughs> and Time Magazine said, oh, yes. uh, natural remedies gone mainstream. Yes. Who would have yes. thought? I know, you know? right? <laughs> From being called the crazy hippies when we lived back oh. in the Midwest, which, you know, now that I live in a city that has real hippies, I just laugh at the idea that I was ever called one because I'm so mainstream comparatively. But, you know, from going from that to being like, oh, yeah, you know, my former neighbors are all investing in time and ginger because, you know, or not time, turmeric and ginger because they've heard that they'll prevent cancer. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not that far away. We remember, we know that it's part of being human. Most of the world still does it. We just had this pharmaceutical assault yeah. for the last hundred years. And yeah. we bought the campaign, you know, the manufacturing of consent, Noam Chomsky. And it's like, we got our, cons our, our consent, our attitude, our thoughts, we're man got, they got manufactured. Yeah. And like you were talking about, your parents just said that, God, you know, doctors got, and I'm not against doctors. I want comprehensive healthcare, access to it all. Yeah. When someone I love has cancer, I want them to have access to it all. And that's yes. what this is about. Yeah. 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 And it starts in the home. It starts with our literacy, uh, you know, that like you're talking about the herbal garden. Well, it was, it was through modern medicine that you got your wake up call, wasn't it? Yes, it was when I was, um, when I was, you know, I was, I never even heard the word, you know, even when I went on that herb walk, it wasn't an herb walk. Right. It was a, it was a, you know, plant ID, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I had never heard any of that. Um, and I had, um, a tumor I had uh, on my brain. I had brain surgery at 19. Oh, and, uh, you know, 19, you're kind of just like, woo, la di da right? Yeah, well, indestructible got, too. Whoa, yeah. not so much. My life got really serious <laughs> really quick. And when I came out of that surgery, it turned out the tumor was benign, thank God. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. But you don't know it going in, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was met with a doctor, he told me that he, that, that, surgery that he did was the result of taking a medication. He said, your doctor's not going to tell you, nobody's going to tell you, but your surgeon is who knows what, what problems drugs are caused by. Yeah. And I talked to, and, and turns out I talked to many other people that had that same surgery that were on mm. the same drug. And so I, at 19 had this like, oh my gosh, I, I read the, um, you know, that little paper, the PPI animal yeah. of like, what the well, if you're going to take a drug, you actually want to read that. Yeah. FYI. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember asking a question. I remember coming home from that surgery and seeing that all of my elders were on medications, all of them, people that I really loved. And I asked a question. I said, isn't there another way? Yeah. Isn't there another way we can take care of ourselves? I asked that question at 19 years old. Right. And then I, uh, you know, I just started to find these breadcrumbs. Yeah. Uh, toward herbal medicine, even though they weren't very, they were few and far in between. Let me tell you, I had to, I had to like revolt against my parents. I had to, my dad didn't talk to me. My grandpa was like, what are you doing? We sent you to college. This is a bunch of, you know, Yeah. and I didn't care. I just started studying with anybody I could get my hands on. Yeah. That it's, it's like the plants decided that you really needed to be the one. And you, you were, you accepted it. I mean, you were so young and you accepted it and you I had no choice. You went on the quest. I mean, you went on I the quest and did so it. I was so 
cold. I couldn't think about anything. I was just like, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? You know, I, I, I finally, somehow I found my way to the California School of Verbal Studies. It was like going to Avalon in those days. <laughs> and when I got there and I had spent two hours with Rosemary Gladstar, two hours, uh, I was yeah. more engaged and alive in those two hours than I had just spent five years in college. Right. Yeah. I was just like, wow, this, this is, I don't know. I don't even know what this is, but this is obviously where I <laughs> So I'm just going to carry your bags home, Rosemary, back to your, <laughs> you know, <laughs> enroll. <laughs> well, I mean, it really sounds like, you know, you found your passion um, and good for you. Uh, how many people don't follow it and don't, they, they get the college degree and then they become the accountant and then they're miserable. Yeah. And you didn't do that. And um, you, we have a, we have a young son that's uh, at the, at the cusp of graduating high school. And um, both Candace and I were never as unfocused and undirected as our son is. Yeah. And he, cause he mm-hmm. doesn't know where he's going to land, but all I can do is foster where he wants to go. Um, so, I'm hoping he finds the same thing that you found uh, where two hours just blew past you and changed everything, you know? So I hope so too. My prayer and my wish is for him to find that also. And I think there's so many messages right now and so many confusing messages that it's Mm -hmm. hard to find, you know, I mean, we had like three stations back then, right? You know, three yeah. And now it's like there's it's it's hard to find yourself when there's so many messages, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, the world really is open, but on the other hand, it's utterly overwhelming. So how oh. do you pick your direction at that age? You know, most of us when we're 17, 18, 19, we don't really know who we are yet. We don't really know what we want, you know? No. And I was one of the ones that followed the path. I did what they said. I went to college. I got my job. I did the career. And I wasn't really very happy as a person doing those things. I'm sure they gave me lots of great skills. And now I can say, oh, yeah, you know, it's probably good I did that. But I'm really glad I don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it took me a long time to find my path and. I'm, I'm hoping that more young people today are able to find their path and it doesn't have to look like what their parents' path did look like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and look at how many people are getting into herbalism. I know. I love seeing that. I love seeing all the people. It's young and old. Right? Yeah. Yeah. An awakening. There's a mass awakening. That's what I feel like. Yeah. I, I definitely agree, and I think your your book is perfectly timed for that. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a tendency, like you said, even your son. There's a tendency to just get overcomplicated and mm-hmm. um, and overwhelmed, and how are you going to know everything? But just starting with a simple kitchen herbalism, it just makes so much sense, right? It's just so simple, and you're already using salt and vinegar and oil right. and uh, honey, you might as well just put it, put herbs into all those things, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what, that's one of the things that's been nice since he, I found herbalism myself when he was still rather young. 
And so we did walks together and, you know, he got a lot of introduction. And now, you know, he knows better than I do pretty much everything. And that's okay. He's allowed to. But, you know, I'll walk into the kitchen and I can smell that he's pulled out the garlic and he's adding that to his noodles and he's got some chives or he's decided to pull out the ginger powder. And, you know, I'm watching what he's doing and I'm just thinking, all right, at least something stuck. <laughs> right. But if you but if you make mention of it, no. oh, I, I hate all that herbal stuff, Dad. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping in 10 years he'll he'll open up his eyes and go, oh, yeah, I, I kind of like that herbal stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it's in him, you know, it's in yeah. him. Yeah. He'll just yeah. find, well, he'll find a reflection, I think, at this point. Yeah. It'll be reflected back to him finally, you know. Yeah. yeah. My son the other day goes, mom, I don't believe in Ayurveda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, you I know. Well, you want to look at him like, what's that to believe in? It's not a. It's, it's right there. It's right there. <laughs> you know, just resisting, right? Yeah. But, you know. like, when he just had the flu, boy, he was like, okay, I need my tea. Where's my tea? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe in that Ayurvedic thing. Yeah, that's exactly, that's like, exactly, that's exactly. Our I don't yeah. believe in it. Give me that yeah. garlic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Cammie, it has been so wonderful chatting with you. Um, I hope we can have you come back again soon. Um, how, so how can people get a hold of you and your book? Yeah, so um, my website is cammymcbride.com, and you can go over there. And um, the best thing to do is to get onto my newsletter through that. Uh, I have a free gift, um, a, a little book, Top 5 uh, Home Remedies for with Using Lavender. There's all kinds of free little recipes and stuff that you can get. And mm -hmm. if you get on my um, mailing list, and then I, 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 I offer different uh, online courses, uh, how to make herbal oils, um, the companion course to the herbal kitchen, uh, plant communication courses. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on over there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and we will make sure that we have links in the show notes too. So folks can click easy. And from there, they can find you on all the socials, your Facebook, your Instas, your yeah, YouTube. Your... Yep. Okay, great. All right. Well, with that, Candice, I guess it's time to put, put an herb, herb on, on it. it. <laughs> Hi, this is Candace Hunter of Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist. We recently picked up a new sponsor, Tony DiMaggio at Sacred Blossom Farms over in Wisconsin, said that he would love to sponsor our show. I tell you, some his teas are some of the most amazing, beautiful teas I have ever seen or tasted. He grows all the herbs right there on his farm. He uses polycultural poly, polyculture techniques and bio, bio, biologically active soils. Gosh, my words are just not, I've drank too much of the angel tea is what I've done. That is a really, it's a soothing, relaxing tea. It's got wonderful herbs like calendula and milky oats, fennel, lemon balm. And, you know, honestly, the rosebuds and rose petals are maybe my favorite. It's amazing how beautiful this is. Anyway, they are our sponsors. And if you would like to enjoy a 15% off discount with them, you can go over to their shop, to his site, sacredblossomfarm.com, and use the coupon code REALHERB15. That's all caps, R-E-A-L-H-E-R-B-1-5. You'll get 15% off, and as a part of the sponsorship, he'll give us a little bit of the sale to say thank you. 
The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.